0: What we've seen and we know is that the gaming industry is not buying a disproportionate amount of ads. The concerns uh, as we've ventured into this new market in Ontario, we're not the UK, we're not the United States. Our commitments to responsible gaming in this country go back to its beginning of gaming in the early 90s. We're in a very different place.
1: You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on LinkedIn Audio. Follow Steve on LinkedIn to join the live audience.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Gaming News Canada show. I'm your host, Steve McAllister, the editor-in-chief as usual. We have a, a busy hour planned for you. Uh, really pleased to have back again this week Amanda Brewer, the Canadian Country Manager for Kinder Group, and uh, Gavin Roth, uh, Chief Revenue Officer for Parlay Media Group, uh, and, and wearing a, a lot of hats in the in the sports partnership and, and consulting industry. So, Gavin, always great to have you. Uh, we're starting the show on a, on a sad note this week. Um, Will Hill from Sightline Payments, who's usually with us. Uh, Will lost his mother, Joyce Hill, on the weekend. You know, Will's not only a, a friend of this uh, forum every Thursday afternoon, he, he's a good friend to, to a lot of us that join uh, join LinkedIn Audio every week, uh, Gavin and Amanda included. So on behalf of, uh, of Gavin and Amanda, uh, everybody at Parlay Media Group, um, our sincerest condolences to, to Will, is his wife, Mara, and the entire Hill family, and uh, we we look forward to getting getting Will back uh, back here next week. Want to walk through some headlines? Uh, again, it's uh, you know you you look for you look for maybe a, a quiet week in in the uh, North American gaming industry right now, and and we keep uh, keep waiting. Uh, we actually just had some breaking news in the last 15 minutes or so from iGaming Ontario that uh, Roots Limited is uh, is the 37th operator to get approval to operate in in Ontario. Uh, Roots is a Malta-based company um, which uh, specializes or offers online casino games. And uh, both Mark Silver and I have had a little bit of time uh, spending with Melanie uh, Haynes from Roots at, at various conferences over the past five or six months, and. So I'm sure there's some celebration going on with the people at Roots today uh, about, uh, about getting iGo approval and, and being in a position to launch. Uh, if you hadn't haven't had a chance to read uh, the Gaming News Canada newsletter yet, I've uh, had a chance to, to speak with Kevin Waugh on Sunday night. Uh, anybody familiar with the Canadian gaming industry will will know. Um, member of Parliament for Saskatoon Grasswood, uh, the, the member who actually introduced the private member's bill, the Safe and Regulated Sports Betting Act, Actually, almost three years ago to the day february 2020 and uh you know reached out to kevin last week just to get his thoughts on on the controversy that we've we've read and seen and talked about with regards to the uh the amount of sports betting and, and online casino advertising and you know kevin was in uh, <laughs> he actually uh had i would say a different take than what's been reported in the media you know thought that uh, there was a lot of overreaction out there in the marketplace. Um, made a point of, of reminding people that this uh, that this industry is in, in Ontario is creating significant tax dollars for the government. It actually, suggests Doug Ford government might want to actually talk about what uh, what the nine hundred million dollars the province has brought in so far in tax revenue, what it could be going going towards. Kevin brought up to me that uh, he, he he believes in New Jersey that some of the money steered from its legal gambling industry has been used for for roads infrastructure and I know in Colorado um, the tax revenue from from sports betting and and in that state is has gone towards uh, improving the water system in in that state so and. Kevin. Also, I asked him about uh, just a reaction across the rest of the country to the Ontario market, and he he said that he knows for a fact that Saskatchewan and Manitoba are two of the provinces watching Ontario very closely, and and uh, the provinces are kind of waiting to see how Ontario shakes out. Um, Amanda, I hope I don't want to put you on the spot, but did did you have a chance to read the the interview with Kevin?
3: Yeah, I thought it was. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin, uh, for, for being able to come in and just speak his mind on that. And yeah, I mean, it's something that I talked to Paul about, um, quite frequently and from a, you know, CJ perspective, I know the association is trying to sort of figure out the best way to move forward with this because as you yourself have done, uh, Steve, you know, the sports betting ads that are running, um, You know, during the commercial breaks, in fact, don't even factor into the top 10 of the advertisers that are being shown. But I think it's a lot of still misperception around, you know, all the advertising that is now legal in Ontario um, and that the operators are taking advantage of. So it was nice to see Kevin kind of come down on that and i agree it'd be great for the premier of ontario to let us all know where all of the money we're giving (laughs) to the province is going i think if you're a driver in the city of toronto um, you could pretty much put it all into filling the potholes that you know always show up this time of the season but i think it's it's a reminder that we're about to you know we're about to celebrate the first year anniversary the first year is really about launching the market and you know try and get as many of those gray market operators into a legal position in the province as possible and it's 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 really about just you know getting off and running so i think you know it'll be a great time to look back and to probably do a little bit of an evaluation as to what's working and what's not because there are still some things that we're going to need to figure out but i think going back to the sports betting and where you've seen Brian Massey and Kevin Watt talk I don't think it's so much about the volume of advertising and I don't think it's about sports betting operators advertising. I think there's been some uh, just pushback over the use of uh, active athletes in some of these ads, knowing that, you know, a lot of them can have younger fan bases and whether or not it's appropriate for those relationships to continue forward. So I think that's more where the focus is going to be in the next little while.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good point. I'm glad you made that point, Amanda. Um, Brian was Brian Massey was quoted in the Sean Fitzgerald piece in the Athletic last week, and yes, and and we I think we grabbed that quote from the newsletter this morning, and it, it was uh, you know Brian's not a, a big fan of of the endorsement deals that have been done with with John Tavares and Austin Matthews and, and Connor McDavid with, with with various uh, sports book operators, and uh, uh, so I appreciate you pointing that out. Uh, I did want to mention you. You mentioned Paul Burns, uh, uh, the president and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association. He's going to join us at the uh, at the bottom of the hour, and we'll, we'll get Paul's thoughts on on uh, the Kevin Y interview. And we're going to also talk to him about the uh, the iGaming Ontario uh, Q three market performance report. We tried to get Paul last week, but he was busy. And uh, we also wanted to talk to Paul about uh, the Ice London conference that's taking place uh, next week in England and. Uh, Paul's going to be part of a, a Canadian roundtable on Tuesday uh, Tuesday morning in, in London um, there's a quite a big Canadian contingent that's going to be at the conference and in, in speaking capacities and I'm hoping I'll, I'll be at ice writing uh, writing for the newsletter on Tuesday and Thursday from the from the conference and uh, hoping to cover as many of those uh, spe- speeches or panel discussions that involve uh canadians as, as possible um before we switch gears um i'll get uh, chris abbott the canadian country manager for botano chris did you just want to again i don't know if you had a chance to read the, my interview with kevin the newsletter but i just wondered if you wanted to piggyback onto demanda's thoughts at all
1: yeah it was the first thing i saw when i woke up this morning was the email in the inbox so your distribution is working well um I think it's great that we have somebody in our corner. It was starting to feel like there might be an avalanche of dissenters um, heading this way, so it was nice to get an alternate take on that. Um, I, I'm personally, you know, a little bit torn on on maybe the volume and the placement, and and I don't think we have it right yet. I think, um, as Amanda mentioned, we're still coming up on the first year, and for anybody who's been involved on the operator side, it's been a sprint. It's it's been hard to catch your breath. And I think it's been hard for us to maybe find some nuances along the way. And of course, you've got a competitive, uh, cluttered marketplace out there. But I do think there's some valid concern about the exposure to to underage um, um, audience. So I, I think that is valid. I think we, we've we got to find uh, the right way to do it. And then as I've said in this forum before, um, I think it's up to our industry and as well as the uh, folks that we're buying advertising from to, to put some... Uh, guardrails in place be, before we get to a, a situation where it has to be, um, you know, a government issue.
2: Hey, Chris, just to that, and I wasn't going to bring it up, but because you did, I'm I'm, I'm going to. And and again, it's it's probably a bit of an awkward spot because it concerns a competitor. But I was a little bit surprised last night. I was watching uh, the Canadian Hockey League game on on TSN with uh, with Connor Bedard, of course, playing in front of a full house in Calgary, and and uh the the broadcast was being presented by bet rivers and i i just found that to be a little bit surprising and uh, but but again i'm i'm assuming it's uh th- there's nothing wrong with doing that major junior hockey players in this country they they start playing junior hockey when they're when they're 16 or 17 years old maybe amanda I'll start with you is that like is that something that is a, a little bit controversial or
3: You know, and this is just my personal opinion. I mean, I'd be avoiding anything that has the word junior in it. I'd be avoiding college and university campuses because some of them are showing up at the age of 17. Um, and I would be staying very far away from those places right now if I were an operator. Um, I can't speak on, you know, what Bett Rivers, um, did or what the board, um, of the hockey association, those kinds of conversations that they had, but, uh, yeah, I just I just think because perception is reality, and I'm a bit of a broken record talking about the opposition that still exists within Ontario, to this industry, um, I think it, it is good for operators to be very mindful that even if nothing is in fact, legally wrong, or against the standards, there could still be a misperception about some of the activities that operators are undertaking. So, again, that's just my complete personal opinion. But what I will say, too, is when you think about the Ontario market, you need to think about it overarchingly, the integrity, if you will, of the entire market in Ontario. And that means that it's not just ensuring that operators like Botano and and Kindred are following the standards and everyone else and making sure that everyone is 100 percent compliant. It's also ensuring that every citizen in the province of Ontario is not going to experience something that could potentially harm, um, you know, harm them as they're interacting with this industry deliberately or inadvertently, because you can also appreciate that, you know, we're in early stages of some of these machines or some of these products going into some sporting um, establishments as well. And you know that people go in there with their children. So you just want to make sure that wherever someone may be bumping up against this industry in this province, you're, you're being assured that it is being done to the highest standards of integrity as well. So I think that's just kind of the lens we need to apply over things.
2: Uh, Chris Abbott? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that there's some actual compliance regulations about offering to uh, take bets on uh, sports where the majority of the players are not over 18 years of age. Um, and then I do think, yeah, there's, there's moral and ethical considerations as well as Amanda so eloquently put it. Um, I know from my personal experience that, uh, around April of last year and, and into kind of Q1 of the regulated market, um, when I was with CoolBet and, and since, since joining Botano, um, you know, we had people reach out to us from various junior teams, um, and even facilities whose primary tenant is junior hockey and both companies have have uh, had the stance that that's that's close that's maybe a little bit too close um not only the athletes themselves junior hockey um is also geared toward kids a lot you know they have uh school day games and all these things in the ontario hockey league so um i can also appreciate the the desire to be on a a broadcast um and be one of a, a few if the only betting sponsor on there for for recognition as well so i can see both sides of it i just know from from my experience and the companies that i've worked in um we're trying to really stay away from that even the world junior tournament which is an under 20 event and most athletes are over the age of 18 um i think it's okay to offer odds on it uh, legally but to to heavily promote um yeah i think you're you're brushing up against the place that that um could cause some friction again, uh, like Amanda said, not just um, compliance-wise with the AGCO, but also for the public perception. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I would where I would sit there. Yeah.
3: And to be clear, uh, when when this market was just about to open, the CHL actually approached the AGCO and asked to be excluded. And there are there is a standard that we all have to follow. So sorry, any of those CHL teams. Games, anything cannot be offered up for wagering. Um, so, you know, that is a standard that we all abide by. I it didn't go any further than that. So I guess each individual club can have partnership deals if they so choose, but we are not allowed to offer wagering on those games.
2: Right. Uh, Gavin Roth, you want to get on here?
3: Yeah, it, just
4: a few thoughts. I mean, it's, you know, in maybe no particular order here, but... The beer, the alcohol industry is regulated in the sense that they're restricted from promoting or advertising before certain hours. And um, I say that though based on a bit dated knowledge, so it could be it could have changed, and, and I'm unaware. But I think that that's something that should be considered for the industry. Uh, the, they also uh, for the for the iGaming industry about perhaps putting a time limit uh, to avoid maybe the youngest of the consumers and that's one thing too is you know the the um for a for a property to accept endorsement from uh or a brand to to accept endorsement from uh a celebrity uh y- if you look at what again the alcohol industry went through they had to prove that the um, the what they're associating with is targeting people of of age, adults, right? So I, back in my days at WWE, we did a deal with Olsen. We had to prove that the majority, the vast majority, I think it was uh, more than two thirds of our audience was over legal drinking age. And contrary to what a lot of people thought, actually it was right. They thought it was just a bunch of kids watching it, but it was it was actually more of a mature audience. So so maybe there's some Policies to put in place around, you know, uh, uh, what properties can accept endorsement uh, from from uh, from books and books accepting endorsement from celebrities, and then the final thing is, um, you know, the the there are NSOs that I've uh, done some consulting work for who will not take money from uh, the iGaming gaming brands because they're they're trying to protect the fact that. A lot of their audience and their programming is is geared towards kids and youth. Skate Canada, is an example, right? Their Can Skate program is their biggest asset, arguably. Right. And they won't um, allow uh, an iGaming partner because they just think that they're it's gonna it's gonna be a, the wrong message to send to the youth. So so I think some properties are taking a good, you know, healthy, ethical stance on it.
1: Gavin, if I could, Steve, just one second to follow up on the NSO thing. I think sure. an, another consideration that that is very important for those organizations is um, the integrity piece. It's generally amateur athletes, um, maybe some own the podium funding and, and and these things. But um, when you get into that world, um, there is the potential for bad actors and amateur athletes. And, and heading that off at the pass is probably the smart thing to do.
2: Yeah, I think what you're saying too, Chris, and and is that NSOs that, that are running major events and uh, you know, Points Back Canada announced yesterday with curling Canada that their the Points Bed invitational is gonna take place in in Oakville at the uh, 16 Mile Sports Complex, which is one of one of my favorite minor hockey and, and junior hockey haunts from my time living in the in the greater Toronto area and then having a couple of couple of kids play rep hockey um you know i think it makes uh, uh, an event like that makes sense for both an nso and a sports book operator um you know i think we saw we saw the uh, positive reaction last year from the scores partnership with with golf canada around the uh, the rbc canadian open and the CP women's canadian open and I, I know there's another major nso out there that they're they're going back and forth and and trying to decide if they are going to have a sports book partner for, for their major events uh, in, in 2023 as well. So I think there are certain sports and, and you look at a sport like tennis, for example, where, you know, the professional tennis tours, the International Tennis Federation does have a, an integrity monitoring division and there do seem to be some safeguards in place around around that sport. But I, I would say that probably um, sports book partnerships are going to make more sense for some NSOs compared, uh, compared with others. Speaking of the score, uh Penn Entertainment came out with their fourth quarter results for 2022 this morning and uh was touting the fact that uh the score is having an in- incredible success in uh in Ontario and in fact it's their it's their biggest market for both sports betting and I casino, Though we we didn't see we haven't seen any numbers from the score from that. So I just just mentioned that. Just maybe, Amanda and Chris getting back to the athletes for a second. Um, Matthew Lohman had an interesting column in in Play Canada earlier this week, and, and it's you can find it in the on the home front section of the, of the newsletter. and And this has been a story that's picked up some steam in the U.S. where. Uh, We're seeing NCAA athletes and some other athletes are being, you know, getting harassed either over social media or or on other platforms by, by betters who have lost, uh, lost bets. And uh, Matthew Lohman was suggesting that maybe the AGCO and, and iGaming Ontario have to take a look at this. Um, You know, I have two thoughts. It seems to me there are mechanisms in place. If someone threatens somebody over social media, there, you know, there are, or criminal charges that could be brought, And uh, it, it just seems to me that's a bit of a complex issue and maybe too much to ask of, of the of AGCO to put some kind of pol- policy in place around that. Maybe, Chris, I'll start with you on that. It's not just in our industry,
1: it's a societal issue um, for anything, right? Um, I don't think that it's on a regulator to handle that. I think, um, there's multiple ways to deal with, with these kind of things. We talked about the integrity piece, um, which should protect athletes, um, on both sides of things. And when it comes to social media, I mean, unfortunately, public figures are, are, um, targets quite often. Um, I would implore most to turn off their mentions and, uh, and get off the whole thing. If it were me, I mean, I, I personally, I, I've taken a big step back from it. Um, and the other thing to remember is that social media is not um, not the real world a lot of the time. So I think a lot of things get amplified there. Do I think it's ever okay for somebody to get threatened because they didn't go over their their uh, rushing prop total? Absolutely not. Of course not. But I I agree with you, Steve, in that I I don't know that there's a role for a a regulator in that. I think um, there's a greater role for us societally and uh, for the platforms themselves uh, to have mechanisms, which they do. You know, they have reporting and and blocking features and whatnot. But I don't know how that can really fall back to our industry uh, if we're speaking into it that way. Right.
2: Right. Amanda?
3: Yeah, I agree with Chris, and I'll say in my mind, that falls squarely on the league. And I think the league should full stop uh, disallow any active athlete at any level um, from accepting any of these kinds of deals. I mean, fill your boots when you're retired, um, and then when you're like Rob Gronkowski or Wayne Gretzky, you have a team who manages your social media, and you're never going to see any of the complaints anyway. But I don't think it's in any athlete, active athlete's best interest to be taking any of these kinds of deals on. And it's, you know, from the example you just mentioned about being harassed on social media when something doesn't go right. Um, and also, you know, the potential to influence, you know, a, um, a you know a, a demographic that shouldn't have any exposure to gaming at this point in time. And it's not even just the athletes. I just got off a, uh, a call with uh, Shelly White and she was mentioning there's a whole bunch of YouTubers now who have channels and followers and these followers tend to be younger, um, younger people and they're out there, you know, touting all their bets and predictions. And it's, it's, you know, I think there's a whole big can of worms that's about to open up on this.
4: Speaking quickly, Steve, of, of recently uh, retired once again, this time for sure high profile, greatest of all time athletes um, who uh, you, you might guess who, um, I'm just curious how much Chris and Amanda, you guys have offered, uh, Tom Brady to be your next, uh, spokesperson. <laughs>
2: Chris, you want to, you want to take that first?
1: Tom's got enough problems in his life. He doesn't need us uh, knocking on his door. So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll pass on that.
4: Can I trade <laughs> problems with Tom, please? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't even gadgets. know if his,
3: if his divorce has gone through yet. So I'm, I'll let him, uh, I'll let him, you know, get that all, you know, I's dotted and T's crossed and then we'll see.
2: And that'll that'll be a lot of I's and T's, Amanda. I'm, I'm sure in that in that legal document. Uh, and, yes, and Chris, for her, <laughs> for her. <laughs> and, and Chris, to your point, like with regards to social media, I mean, it is crazy some of the stuff that's out there now. I, I I actually couldn't believe. I I thought, yeah, one tweet, okay, but I saw several tweets on the weekend after the NFL games a- accusing uh, the NFL of, of fixing games and and athletes of fixing things, and I'm I'm thinking like this is this is a new a new level of crazy. And again, I think it just speaks to your point, Chris, about about social media. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's, it's something that we probably all should heed your advice and, and take a break from once in a while. And and you know, sadly, social media gives a form to a lot of an anonymous, not jobs out there to to make those kinds of uh, kooky uh, kooky
4: accusations. Leave, leave Mark Silver out of this. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're leaving we're
2: leaving Mark alone this week and letting him enjoy, enjoy a well-deserved break with his with his family down down south. Gavin, yeah, no, I'm sure he'll, he'll he won't be able to help himself. He'll hop into the conversation at some point
4: here during the hour. Oh, he's he's on. He's on.
2: Mark, did you did you want to defend yourself or? Or are you busy sipping on a drink with an umbrella in it?
1: All right, all right. I took the bait. I'm sitting. I'm waiting for uh, a couple members of my family to exit the Fanatics NHL All Star Store on uh, Fort Lauderdale Beach.
2: Jeez, I hope you. Uh, I hope you kept your Interact and credit card in your pocket. That could be a costly
1: trap. Give them the interact if it works down there. That that's that's okay. I will say that uh, the, the NHL has done a bang up job here on the beach uh, with, with the uh, festivities. Uh, now we got there early. Hopefully, uh, more people show up.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, we're still early, so I guess Thursday afternoon. Uh, Chris and Amanda, the last last thing I want to touch on from the from the newsletter this morning is. Um, the the survey that came out from paysafe and and paysafe one of the big uh one of the big players and the on the in the payment sector of the the gaming industry and they yeah they conducted a survey through through the u.s and canada and there were some interesting uh interesting data as it related to ontario uh 36 percent of ontario better spending between seven dollars and 27 dollars per per wager which uh you know i'm that's I'm well below below that line, my, my $2 a bet. Uh, 42% of Ontarians only have one online sports betting account, which I found kind of interesting. I'm, I'm going to get Amanda and Chris's thoughts on that in a second. And then the other one, and I'll, Amanda, I'll let you address these numbers. Um, the, the Paysafe survey found that there are actually more female-identifying sports bettors at 51% than the male sports bettors at 49%. And that made the, I think they surveyed six states uh, plus, plus Ontario for this survey. That makes Ontario the only region they survey, surveyed with a higher concentration of, of women against men. So Amanda, I'll turn that over to you.
3: Um, well, listen, I can just go by the data that I'm getting through some of our providers like NEPA um, and the stuff I'm seeing coming out from iGaming Ontario in terms of their data. Um, So some of that doesn't necessarily compute, Um, I know that um, the average dollar or the average deposit is higher than what Paysafe is saying and um, I don't have demographics on women versus men in my market. It's not a question that we get to ask um, when they register their accounts um so I'll kind of have to take a, a pass on on that one but yeah the other data points I'm I'm probably seeing different things in in my market for the Unibet brand in Ontario
2: sure Chris
1: yeah the first two stats you gave had me raise my eyebrows and and the last one had me kind of kind of think this is probably not a great study uh anecdotally uh can certainly say that the the sports betting population that I've seen in in Any company I've worked for is heavily skewed male. Um, I do find that there's a a female uh, representation on the casino side that's maybe a little higher than some people may expect. Um, Average bet size, we've seen, we operate in 12 markets internationally right now. And the Canadian gambler does tend to bet more on average than most jurisdictions. And... The other one about having only one uh, sportsbook or or app, um, our indications have seen anywhere from 2.8 to 3.6, where a lot of people do primarily use one. But to say they only have one, most people only have one active account, I would argue that based on our information. Um, We got a great report from OptiMove yesterday um,
2: that kind of contradicts some of that well we'll, we'll have to uh, we'll have to get you to share that report with us uh, chris if, if you if you can <laughs> if um, i'm allowed yeah i'll i'll share what i can for sure that'd be that'd be great um just remind everybody if, if again if you want to get up here I, I i noticed i see nick solsky's in uh, with us today if you uh, if you do want to comment or you have a question for for amanda or chris or anybody else here just uh, i think there's a a hand icon in the right-hand corner on LinkedIn audio. Just click that, and and we'll uh, we'll get you uh, get you up here to talk about it. Um, we're waiting for Paul Burns from the Canadian Gaming Association to uh, to join us. That uh, one one other question. I'll oh, one other question I'll ask before we get Mick Sulski in here. Um, uh, maybe Amanda for you is that. You know, part of this survey from Paysafe to broke up the the kind of payments, and obviously there, there's there's credit cards and, and interact today. Like, is there have, have you seen any kind of sweeping changes in the industry in terms of payments? And again, it's it's a it's a piece of the industry that I'm I'm not as familiar as I should be with, and it's, it's something I'm going to actually try to spend some time with at, at ICE next week, but. Um, you know, is there, is there, are we on a real move with payments now that's vastly different from maybe 10, 20 years ago?
3: Uh, well, I, I'll just answer the question a bit differently. I would say our banks are very slow moving and have actually been, uh, blockers to us being way more innovative with our payments, especially in this space. Um, we have no Venmo up in Canada, for example, Um, if you look at the different payment options that, you know, most of the operators are offering, pretty much everyone has a deposit and a withdrawal that involves some form of Visa, MasterCard and Interac, and then others have PayPal or Apple Pay or, you know, iDebit or InstaDebit. So we're all using sort of the same three or four different types of, of payments, um, but in terms of it being super innovative, I would just say because we are beholden to our banks and they have not been great partners to this industry, um, I actually think other jurisdictions are, especially in Europe, are, are doing it better than we are here.
2: Uh, Nick Salsky, thanks. thanks for joining us again, Nick. I'm, I'm sure you, uh, you probably have uh, a few thoughts uh, from what we've been talking about the last 15, 20 minutes.
5: Oh yeah! I, I just uh, thanks for thanks for uh, welcome welcoming me so so nicely, Steve. Uh, um, and I, I just jumped on a few minutes ago, um, so I did hear uh, Amanda and Chris's responses to your questions around that PaySafe survey. Um, and and I, I, I concur with with what both of them have uh, have said, especially Chris. Um, you know, we we work with a number of of uh, of data analytics companies who do constant research. And so I think Chris said like 2.6 to 3.8 um, or 3.8 to 2.8 or two point eight to 3.6 number of operators uh, or number of books that sports gamblers use in Ontario. And I would say that that's consistent with some of the things that we're seeing as well. So I, I, I would definitely object with, uh, kind of pay safe's assertion that that high percentage of Ontario sports gamblers are only using one operator I think right now especially in the early days of the market there is a lot of, of trial and test out there so um yeah, I, I, I I'm looking forward to diving into that report a little bit more um more directly but you know from from the top level I think that I absolutely concur with what Amanda and said.
2: Uh, Nick and, and Chris and Amanda and again I'm not not asking you to give away any comfy secrets here, but I I, I will ask the question like how how much time are you spending talking about women uh, women sports and trying to attract female betters and is that something that maybe we we again to kept Kevin Wall's point on, on, the, on the sports betting ads is it something we pay too much too much attention to or. Or is there a realization that there can be more done to to try to attract women customers to your respective businesses? And and Nick, I'll start with you. Well, I mean, I
5: think that, um, I I think it might have been Amanda who mentioned this. The reality is um, women are more prominent users of online casino than they are typically right now from online sports, from from sports betting. Um, It's also a bit of a chicken in the yeah, again, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. Do women bet less on sports than men? Um, or do women bet less on sports than men do because there are less women's sports for them to bet on via broadcast? Um, it, it, we don't know that. I have, a, I, I believe that there is a lack of women's sports um, – available to watch live and, 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 bet on. Uh, but there's a lot of reasons why that's, that's just the reality at the moment. Um, I think that what we do see, however, is in the, it, the tentpole female sports right now that are covered on broadcast, whether it be, uh, tennis, golf, WNBA, Um, we do see a higher proportion of women betting on those female sports. So it's a small sample size. So I don't think that's enough data to confirm kind of that initial assumption, but it is pretty telling, I think.
2: Right. Uh, Chris?
1: Well, I I think you framed your initial question as, you know, are, are companies looking at that, um, uh, you know, looking at, at a way to attract more females. And I mean, the answer is yes. And it's not just our industry, any industry where you have a demographic that you would consider on tapped, um, just sitting there with, with money and, and, and a you know, available time to be on your site. So I think that's the answer is yes. I think, uh, the, the first company to figure out how to activate that will be, uh, in a, in a very good spot. Um. I think there's there's other factors i think scientifically it's been confirmed that men are a little riskier by nature um women are more conservative with finances um on mass certainly not not every woman my my wife likes to spend uh a lot but uh all jokes aside i mean i think it's a it's a little bit of what nick was saying as well in terms of that Um, there's a big, if you can see it, you can be it" thing happening here, uh, in our society right now, especially when it comes to female, uh, professional sports. And I, I think it's only natural that once those sports gain some more traction, that there will be some more female, uh, sports gamblers as well. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's something, uh, that the companies I've worked in are super active on. I think it's a still an idea that is, yeah, we should do that we should do a better job of this. but I don't know that anyone's really got a that I've experienced so far with a you know a dedicated strategy
2: right um Amanda, just before I get to you, you know Chris, on your point about that we're still not at a at a place with on the women's sports in terms of leagues and that i it's kind of I feel there's some some momentum there right now you know we're gonna have a Canadian uh, professional women's soccer league in the in the next couple of years and Um, you know, I, 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 I want to believe that at some point in the next two or three years that the women's hockey community, that they're going to, they're going to find a, find a common place. And ideally it's with the NHL running, running a a national women's hockey league that brings together the, the best women's hockey players in the world. We don't have the two, the two league situation that we, we have right, uh, we have right now. Um. You know, Nick and I, and we've talked in this forum, Nick often too, about the Curling Canada partnership and and uh, you know points bet helping Curling Canada with with the richer data offerings, so that there probably is going to open up more betting markets around women's curling because we do know, especially in in this country, there's a lot of interest in 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 the women's game and. With the WNBA, we're, you know, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a game here in Toronto in May, and and uh, people are feeling pretty optimistic that Toronto's gonna get a WNBA franchise in in the next couple of years. So, Chris, to your point, I, I think there certainly is some momentum in that direction. Uh, but but Amanda, I, I definitely want to get your thoughts on this issue.
3: Well, I can peek in. And- you know, see which customers are active sort of on the Unibit app in Ontario. And I know that from what I've noticed, we tend to have more women playing casino games than we do in the sports book side of things. And that bothers me not because, um, you know, it's really about making sure that we have the right product for the right customer and not about trying to push them into something that they're not interested in. But I think to your point, Steve, there's not a lot of women's sports teams for women to bet on. And I think you have some women who are just naturally interested in any and all sports and some of them, you know, maybe putting the odd bet on an odd game. But I think if we really wanted to do a better job at attracting more female sports bettors versus just, you know, female um, casino um, gamblers, then we have to sort of do a better job at reflecting sports that women participate in. and. I know. Just yesterday, um, I got approached because um, Kindred is going to be looking to do something. Don't know yet what. Because the Women's World Cup will be kicking off on the twentieth of July, and since yeah. Canada will be a contender, and we hope a, a really strong contender, um, I have put my hand up to volunteer because I think this would be a great example to be able to do exactly that. Right? Talk about you know Canadian women, you know, competing at the highest you know, level of their sport um, in, uh, on the global stage. So that's really exciting and watch the space as soon as I know more, I'll let you know what we're up to.
2: Yeah. And you see some other signs too, you know, like um, I think TSN released today, or I saw a a tweet this morning that the, the the ratings for the women's final were were better than the the men's final at the Australian Open that just finished on 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 the weekend. And uh, that was noteworthy because the women's game's in a bit of a state of flux right now with with no bona fide superstars. And of course Novak Djokovic won, I think it's 20, 22nd or twenty third Grand Slam singles title on the weekend. So, so I think that's uh that's note uh, noteworthy and and you're you know uh our parlay media group our homestand sports division uh kreen and mustafa did a live uh did a live youtube show around the wnba free agency period on wednesday and you know that's that's something that i don't think we would have seen happen uh five years ago and amanda you're absolutely right i should have mentioned the, the fifa women's world cup because i do believe there will be a lot of attention around that tournament uh this summer and and uh you know, for a long time here, I think a lot of Canadian soccer fans, they were a lot more familiar with, uh, with Christine Sinclair and, and, uh, uh Carol LeBlanc and, and, uh, Aaron McLeod and, and the, the top players on the Canadian women's team than they were with the national men, men's team. So, uh, I think it, uh, it continues to be, be a work in progress. Um, I want to switch gears here unless Nick was there, or Chris, was there anything else you wanted to add on this topic?
5: No, I think the only thing that I would add, and you alluded to it, is, you know, when it comes to offering sports betting markets, we need the data, right? So we need the leagues that are being created, the Pro Women's Soccer League, the Pro Women's Hockey League, they uh, they as a league. And, and I think, you know, I've had a number of conversations with, with some of the, the the leaders who are bringing these leagues to fruition to make sure that they're keenly aware of it. You can't just suggest that gambling is going to exist in a sport when the sport launches, they have to do the the due diligence and the work with the data companies and the feed providers to actually allow us operators to offer those markets to, um, you know, to to the fans. So ultimately, data does become a very important cog to the uh, or spoke to the wheel, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Nick took the words out of my mouth. I think you see data announcements that are being made or are, are with male professional leagues. And, um, when I was with cool bet, we had a partnership with the Toronto arrows rugby club here. And I think they were just integrating with genius at the time, but we had asked for some information so we could make odds for, for their games. And we got back, you know, a bunch of PDF files, which, which I guess we were supposed to comb through and, um, and find you know, so it's, it's, it's totally, um, a difference maker when, when you have that, uh, data available digitally, you know, something that the trading teams can digest. Um, cause I think everybody's traders are happy to give odds on whatever, but, um, they certainly can't leave themselves completely
2: exposed when they do so. Yeah. Great. Uh, great point, Chris. Yeah. Amanda Burr, I'm going to lean on you a little bit here. We're still waiting for Paul Burns, the president and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association. I, I know how Paul had a meeting uh, that was supposed to end at 2.30. It's probably running, uh, running overboard. But I do want to spend a few minutes talking about the Ice London Conference next next week. And and again, I think because Ontario is a new industry, we, we have new companies, Um I know I'm not the only person who's going to be a first first timer going across the pond. To ice, so maybe you can just give us all a bit of a primer on what to expect when we uh, when we show up at the XL uh, Center next Tuesday.
3: Uh, well, it's uh, take what you saw at G two E and double it. Um, because excel is a massive space and you've got sort of the north side and the south side um, just full of exhibitors um, the knock about ice and you'll you'll find this out when you're there next week Steve is it takes a long time to get out there and you're pretty much on a combination of different tubes um, and changing lines a couple of times just to just to get there so people grumble a lot about the location because it's not something you can just kind of run out to and then come back from so incidentally um, Clarion will be sending out a survey because they're looking to possibly move the location of ice it's going to be somewhere still in Europe um, and lock it into a new location for five years because I guess they've you know, getting a bit tired of people complaining about how far it is. Anyway, um, it's it's um, a lot of a different crowd from what you expect at G2E. This is very European focused. The uh, Americans and Canadians tend to be a little bit more of a minority. Um, it's full of meetings taking place all over the city. Um, some people will come out just for a day and then, you know, they're gone. You'll never see them again at the Excel. But it's really a great place, much like G2E, if you're trying to see a lot of people, if you're trying to, you know, get meetings, um, you know, you have a pretty good chance of catching everyone at that uh, at that show. So from the Canine Gaming Association perspective, they're doing kind of two events. One is a member-only event on the 6th. Um, And it's with uh, IGO AGCO and a Ontario government representative. And it's really talking to people about, you know, the market in Ontario, why Ontario is a great place to do business, what it would take to come over and relocate or invest in the province. Um, So it's really carrying on the types of meetings that um, the CJ was hosting at Canada House pre-market open and pre-COVID. And then there is an informal drop-in at the Nuve booth on the 8th. Um, and anyone's kind of welcome to show up there and just, uh, you know, go visit Paul, go visit the guys at Nuve and, you know, have a square cheese and a, and a beer. Um, I have no idea what they're offering in terms of uh, refreshments. But for at least two or three days, there's, there's a lot of buzz um, going on at the show. But uh, it, it, i'll be interested to talk to you when you're out there next week steve um to see if you've either gotten lost on your way out there or you're tired of making your way out there
2: yeah the uh yeah i'm the, the over under on me not finding my way to excel on tuesday morning is uh the, i'd say the chances <laughs> the, the chances are slim and slim and amanda and, and we are pleased to be joined by paul burns the president and ceo of the oh, Community Good. association <laughs> and uh, Paul, you, you you proved me you proved me wrong yet again when I when I accuse you of being tardy. But uh, I do want to mention that Paul's going to be on a on a panel, uh, Canadian roundtable Tuesday. Uh, ICE has something called the World Regulatory Briefing, and it's all the regions around the world kind of doing roundtables that day. So Paul's going to be joined by uh, Martha Alton, Alton, the Executive Director of iGaming Ontario, uh, Peter Zegleti from Arid and Burles, uh, the, the, the Toronto-based law firm and uh, Sevilla Urbana the Agent General for the Ontario Ministry of Economic Development and Paul maybe you can maybe just give us a preview of of what that roundtable is going to look like. I just may mention while we're trying to get Paul back in here and Paul just, just speak up when you're when you're all set is that you know some of the other um, scheduled speakers that I used from from Canada include Bruce Coghill, the the Canadian managing director for Rust Street Interactive. Um, I'll just again, while Paul's trying to get back on, I just mentioned uh, Dave Forrestal, the the board chair at Igo is going to be there. Uh, Don Bourgeois, who's been around the Canadian industry for uh, a I believe, as long as, as you have been, if not uh, if not longer. Oh,
3: my gosh. Steve, <laughs> stop thinking I'm that old. He's been around for <laughs> way longer than
2: me. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, Lindsay Slater, uh, the senior VP with GeoComply. Max Meltzer, the, the CEO of Stra- Vancouver-based Drive Gaming. Uh, Ron Segev, who's, uh, again, with uh, the with Vancouver law firm and who's entrenched in the gaming industry. Uh, Shelly White, who uh, Amanda mentioned earlier, is going to going to be there, and also the CEO of the AGCO, Tom Tom Lungham. So, uh, a strong Canadian contingent. And uh, Amanda, just uh, do you, do you expect there might be a topic of conversation that or a topic that dominates the conversation over there next week, and and maybe maybe that is from more of a European perspective.
3: Uh, I think there's still going to be, and part of the reason, See, I see Paul's back, so I'll speak quickly, I think part of the reason, you know, Paul and the association are going over is because there is still interest in the Ontario market, and having Tom, uh, Martha, Dave Forstel over is great, because they'll have a lot of people who will have a lot of questions for them, so I think, you know, Ontario is still of interest, um, but in terms of what else is going to be going on over there, I don't know, I think that'll be for you to tell us next week when you're over there.
2: Yeah, agreed. And, and just to confirm, we we will do uh, we will be on LinkedIn audio next uh, next Tuesday. So we'll be on at the the regular time. I think it'll be seven seven PM my time in in London, but it will stick with the regular two to three time slot here. Uh, Paul, I think we got you back now. We were just talking, Paul. Amanda mentioned that there's still still a lot of interest in the Ontario market, and and. Uh, she expects that that you and and, and Martha and and uh, Dave Forrestal and Tom Mungan, and that you you folks are gonna be pretty busy over there next week
0: uh, there still is uh, obviously and there's uh, you know for me it's a great chance to to connect with a lot of the members that are European based um, but it is um, there is still a, a great deal of interest and I think those that are in the market in terms of, of fine-tuning some things that are um, causing some some problems in some areas looking to the future about how we can ensure that the the market continues to, uh, to thrive and remains competitive. So there's always a chance, but it, you know, these are like large family reunions. It's great to get everybody together in one spot as large as Excel is. It's uh, it's a bit frenetic, but it's fun.
2: It, Paul just like are you you look at a, a jurisdiction like Finland for example which is a monopoly right now and and they're they're looking at following I guess the Ontario path to, to some extent are those some of the kind, kinds of conversations that you're having with people <laughs> across the pond where where they they look at this market and see through I think 37 operators now with roots uh, roots getting igo approval today, yeah. that, that those are the questions that you get the most
0: uh it it has been in the last year um in terms of those that were still you know in the queue and companies like roots uh exactly i spent a lot of time with them when i was in barcelona at the SBC event as they were working feverishly to try and beat the october 31 deadline but um no it's um it is and and, you know i'll spend time with the the bgc next week and Um, European Casino Association and and others. So it's a good chance for a lot of associations to get together, compare notes as well as, um, you know, meeting with industry. I still um, have people reaching out to um, wanting to understand how they can, whether, you know, they're a supplier or an operator, how they can participate in the market.
2: Hey, I asked the man Amanda this question I think Paul before you hopped on but but what what advice would you give and I, I see Brittany Almeida who just joined low six she's she's in uh, listening today and I think Brittany's making her first Ice London appearance next week because it's, it's going to be my maiden voyage there as well what advice would you give to a, to an ice newbie
0: well there's there's a great new feature this year and that's the Elizabeth line is open so it provides another tube option to get to Excel um, which um, didn't exist, but thank God they opened that. Um, it's always getting there, right? Cause it's the crush of people arriving roughly in the same hour. So there's, you know, 30, 35,000 people will attend. Uh, it's a long building. So it's a, you will walk a ton. Um, and, uh, and there'll be a hard place to find a place to sit, to have a <laughs> meeting. So if you get a table and can corner it and hold on to it, you generally have done well and have people come to you. Um, unless Clarion has listened and put in more spaces for people to sit down and, and network. But usually those are, uh, those are the, that's the biggest thing is finding a place to sit down to have a meeting.
2: Right. And Amanda mentioned too, and we, we have this in the newsletter today that, uh, Barcelona, Paris, Madrid, and London are all bidding right now to, to be the host price. I think it's from between 2025 and 2029. So, there is competition for whether or not that conference is going to remain uh, remain in London. Paul, the other question I had because we're we're getting close to the top of the hour is we we started the show by talking about the the Kevin Y interview I, I had in the, the <laughs> newsletter this morning and, and uh, we, we had uh, Amanda and Chris certainly chimed in, but I, I would love to get uh, get your thoughts on uh, on Kevin's uh, Kevin's comments to to yours truly well
0: kevin's great i mean that's he uh he has great perspective um but i think it's yeah i think what we've seen and we know is that the gaming industry is not buying a disproportionate amount of ads um that's clear um and i think that uh the concerns uh, as, as we've ventured into this new market in ontario um you know, everybody looks so well why don't you do what this jurisdiction or why don't you look what that jurisdiction did? And what we've always said, we're not the UK, we're not the United States. Um, you know, our commitments to responsible gaming in this country go back to its beginning of gaming in the, you know, early nineties. Um, you know, the UK had to go down a path to you know, to begin to start to talk about RG and it kind of started in the mid 2010s and so we're in a very different place and and i think that the the stakeholders are um all uh cognizant of what's going on everybody's learning whether that's broadcasters sports leagues gaming operators and regulators in the IGO, and i go as what this could be and how they need to make sure that they Maintain the integrity of market in terms of public acceptance of gaming is important, and it's top of mind to the AGCO. And I think for the industry, we just have to you know, understand and keep the dialogue going, which we've done in terms of being able to understand these things are working, these things aren't. Maybe we need to change some things. Maybe regulators and ICO need to change some things. That's part of the dialogue, and that's what we have to keep going because we have started off on a really good foot. And, you know, people, the perceptions about advertising, but, you know, the data has been around. People know it, you know, Fifth Estate folks told they know where to get it. They didn't. They didn't want to. They wanted to tell a story that they had already pre-written. And that means we just got to continue to work and work harder to make sure that we can get uh, the message out for what the industry is doing and what we're not doing. Uh, or people perceive us to be doing, and that there is, um, there's a lot of attention being paid to making sure that we can continue to uh, have, you know, full options for advertising, for marketing, to operate without further need to change any of uh, the rules and restrictions that, that come in place. And I think that um, the industry is doing a, a really good job. And you know, as we will learn through this. And, you know, we're always willing to make adjustments and that's part of keeping that dialogue going. So I think complaining about not having this rule or that rule needs to be tighter, I think we need some perspective and have a discussion about all of those things. And when we do that, I think we'll we'll continue to do because the industry uh, is not shy about stepping up and doing what needs to be done. Uh, we want to have strong relationships with our customers. We want to work with regulators to make sure that all the objectives are achieved and we want to make sure that they can work with us. So it's um there's a lot of noise I think right now. Um it was great that you you know Seaborn's tweets about the facts on advertising. Yeah, that's exactly been the case from the beginning. We're not just buying a disproportionate amount of ads. Um in fact less in some sectors.
2: Yeah, Paul yeah reference Adam Seaborn Adam from playmaker capital and we, we embedded those tweets in the newsletter looking at uh, TV and, and cable TV ads over the past week and the only the only gambling brands that are mentioned in, in that top list is our uh, lotto Max and, and OLG so and then also we grabbed uh, Austin carpet sports business journal had a had a good piece uh, this week about the uh, TV ads around the NFL division of wildcard games. And, and again, uh, there's a graphic that we've included courtesy of sports business Journal there that doesn't show any, any gambling operators on that, uh, on that top 10 list. Hey, Paul, before, before we go, I would really love to get your perspective. Cause we, you were too busy last week and we missed <laughs> each other just to get your thoughts on, on the, uh, Q3 market performance report from my gaming Ontario and, and the overall numbers, you know, nine, nine months into the
0: market. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we're seeing the, the realization of what the market has been and, and starting to become. Um, you know, we have a uh, first quarter with um, with uh, more participants, more of the, as I call them, the legacy grey market operators in the market that, that have had market share. Um, and I think we're, we're into a position now where we're, we may see some more modest um, growth going forward but i think it's a realization of where people had estimated the market mm-hmm. to be and i think we're seeing that now and i think that's uh it's good i think it's been you know i think you know obviously there's uh, been high high willingness from g- former gray market operators to sign up to market mm-hmm. a lot of new entrants and i think that's that's exciting and now you know we want to make sure it maintains being a, a vibrant competitive market but i think it's great. I think we're starting to see this is what the market has, has been for years. And I think that's better perspective for everybody who may be looking and watching what Ontario is doing and saying, no understanding that, you know, that, OLG's oh, well, numbers have been going up. Um, their share has been strong and they can compete in a market like this. It proven they can. So, um, you know, I think it gives everybody some some good perspective and understanding about what's going on versus what people may think is going on. Right.
2: Let's uh, let's leave it there, uh, Paul. Thanks very much for for jumping on and uh, look forward for to him, you, look forward to seeing you in London on uh, on Tuesday uh, morning. Um, Want to thank Paul Burns from the Canadian Gaming Association, Amanda Brewer from Kindred Group. Uh, Nick Zulski from PointsBet Canada Chris Abbott from Botano Gavin Roth from Parlay Media Group uh, thanks everybody thanks to the listeners for, for hanging in with us for an hour um, we will be writing the Tuesday and Thursday newsletters from, from ICE next week and writing on, on the conference so if, if you are not a subscribe to the newsletter uh, you can find us on Substack and as I mentioned we will, uh, we will be on LinkedIn Audio uh, here at 2 o'clock, PM, 2 o'clock Eastern Time Next Thursday afternoon, and, and I'll be uh, I'll host the uh, the show from from London. Uh, everybody enjoy the rest of the week. If you live in Ontario, um, suggest you get out the long johns and scarves and toques and and, and uh, put an extra log on the fire. Uh, please be safe when you're you're out on the roads. And we'll look forward to having uh, having this conversation again in a week's time. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at GamingNewsCanada.ca Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience.
1: Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.